We live in a hurting world and we are hurting people. That's natural. Forgiveness, that's supernatural. The old man walks out the screen door in his front porch, sits in his old rocker. He sips his coffee, anxiously scans the horizon for the boy who left a long time ago and took part of his heart with him. It was as empty today as it was yesterday, and he knows it will be tomorrow. His wife tells him to come inside, that he's being foolish to get his hopes up, and he knows that she is probably right, but somehow he cannot help himself. What does that old man think as he sits and rocks? In sermons about this most famous of parables, preachers generally say that the old man is a stand-in for God, but Jesus doesn't actually say that. In the story, he's just a regular old man whose son wishes he were dead and took what money he could get and has cut off all communication. And we meet the old man at this moment in the story, after the boy has left, not knowing when, if ever, he will come back. We meet him on the front porch. Maybe you will make it through life and not have to spend much time there, but many do. It is a place for those who have a relationship that will not mend, a broken heart that will not heal, a shadow that will not fade even on the sunniest of days. The front porch is an important part of Jesus' story that's called the story of the prodigal son, although Jesus never mentions it. He describes the house and the fields and the far country and the pig trough and the feast for the table, but the front porch we must supply in our own imaginations. The front porch is where the old man would sit day after day, wandering, hoping, remembering, waiting for his boy to come home. The front porch is the place of deep vulnerability. It is a reminder that we are not in control of other people, not even those closest to us. The front porch is our limit, our weakness, the edge of our influence, the boundary beyond which we are not allowed to pass into the spirit land of another. Anybody can spend some time on the front porch and in our community and the Fellowship of the Withered Hand, we know all about it. A marriage is breaking up. She gambles. He drinks. Someone was unfaithful, unhappy, unwanted, just bored. A child cannot stand feeling smothered or controlled or judged. A friendship that seemed like it was for life suddenly is not. Two young business partners ready to take on the world discover they can't work together and don't trust each other and somebody's going to lose. A respected spiritual leader hides a dark side and betrays somebody who trusted him most. And when truth begins to emerge, seeks to smear and destroy, and a beloved community is split and may never heal. We will all spend some time on the front porch. What's the old man doing on the front porch? Well, this part is very important. Um, he's not just waiting. He is not brooding. He is not engaging in self-pity, not thinking about what a victim I am and how I long to get even. He is doing the work of forgiveness. Uh, Hannah Arndt, in her book, The Human Condition, the one where I mentioned a while ago, she talks about how the discoverer of forgiveness in human affairs is Jesus. 
of Nazareth. She says that the great problem that we face in human existence, particularly in our relationships with each other, is what she calls the problem of irreversibility. That when we, once we have done something, no matter how much we might regret it or how bad it might be, we cannot reverse it. We cannot undo it. What goes up must come down. You reap what you sow. And that this is a particular problem in our affairs with one another, so that when we hurt somebody else, the natural predictable response is they will hurt us back. And the problem of anger and vengeance and wanting to get even is uh, what goes up must come down. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This starts very early in life. A little boy and his baby sister in one room, mom is in the other. She hears a scream and she asks, what was that? And the little boy says, the baby just pulled my hair. It hurts so bad. And the mom says, well, you know, she doesn't know that. 30 seconds later, she hears another horrible pain-filled scream. What was that? And the little boy says, now she knows. And by the way, those are not two little children to whom I am related at all. Just a purely hypothetical situation. This is the problem, Hannah Arndt says, of the human condition is the problem of irreversibility. And we see it in the Bible um, as soon as the fall takes place. Cain cannot forgive his brother Abel, even though Abel hasn't hurt him, must strike back at him. And then he is given the mark of Cain. If anyone avenges Cain, they will be avenged seven times over. A little bit after that is a man named Lamech. And he says to his wives, he also introduces polygamy to the world. He says to his wives, I have killed a man for injuring me, a young man for hurting me. If Cain was avenged seven times, Lamech shall be avenged 77 times. And if you remember anybody talking many, many, many centuries later about forgiving somebody 77 times, now you know where that number comes from. All through the book of Genesis, what we see is the pain of the cycle of ungrace, of irreversibility. And Abraham favors Isaac over Ishmael and there's pain and the severance of a relationship and, and Sarah and uh, her hostility towards Hagar. Uh, and then uh, between Isaac and Ishmael and then Isaac has Jacob and Esau and there's more pain. And then Jacob has 12 sons and Joseph is his favorite. And this goes on and on and on. Hannah Arndt says there's one thing that can end it. And we see it in the book of Genesis. But it, it is the miracle of forgiveness. Here's what she writes. In contrast to revenge, which is the natural automatic reaction, the transgression, and which because of the irreversibility of the action process can be expected and even calculated, the act of forgiving can never be predicted. It is the only action that acts in an unexpected way and thus retains through being a reaction something of the original character of action. Forgiving does not merely react, but acts anew and unexpectedly, unconditioned by the act which provoked it, and therefore freeing from its consequences both the one who forgives and the one who is forgiven. It's like 
In the beginning in Genesis 1, God is creative and then sin comes in and sin and unforgiveness and vengeance, trust me on this, is not creative, cannot create, it can only destroy, it can only brood, it can only tear down. And then God invents forgiveness and forgiveness says, instead of just automatically giving into, you hurt me so I will hurt you back, how can I bring good into this situation? The old man forgives so that finally when the boy comes home and goes into his rehearsed speech, Father, I have done wrong. I'm no longer worthy. The father interrupts him with a plan that the boy could never have imagined in his wildest dreams. No, no, no. Put the shoes on his feet and the robe around his shoulders and a ring on his finger and kill the fatted calf because my boy's come home. In Luke chapter 7, there is a woman who has a pattern of sins and it's created a cycle of ungrace and irreversibility in his li- her life. And she's at a dinner and Jesus is there. And somehow she knows, somehow there is something about him, about his face, about his teaching, about his manner, about his relationships. And she does something that no one ever could have predicted out of uh, the miracle of experiencing forgiveness. She brings a very expensive jar of perfume, and she pours it out over his feet, and she begins to weep with the sheer joy of experiencing forgiveness. And she she wets his feet with her tears, and she kisses his feet, and she dries them as nobody can believe that. And Jesus' response to her is, your sins are forgiven. And the people say, who is this that even forgives sin? In the book of Genesis, as we will see in the cycle of ungrace over and over and over again, in the end with Joseph and his brothers, then there are tears, and then there is embracing, and then there is a feast. So today, now, engage in the creative miracle of forgiveness. And it can be quite in small ways. You're driving someplace, somebody cuts you off, instead of just automatically giving into a sense of vengeance and what a jerk that person must be. Remember, I don't know what's going on in that person. They may be having a really difficult day, They may have some reason why they really need to hurry. And in that moment, just I bless you as best I can. I bless you. You're someplace where somebody behind a counter or a desk at a gas station or a store at a restaurant is surly. Instead of being surly back, how might I be able to make you laugh? Could I get you to smile? You're... Uh, in a relationship with somebody at home or at work. I had to do this one just this morning, and I was thinking about how I had been quite defensive uh, yesterday. And just to find a creative way to come in and say, here's what I did. I am sorry. You're someplace where somebody is delaying you. And instead of just getting irritated, because you're such an important person, and you got to move on to the next moment. Just be patient. Today, allow the creative power of forgiveness to intercept the irreversibility of a world that is filled with eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And keep this in mind. You think about what's the most famous symbol in the history of the world, and it would be a cross. It it is on more graves, it adorns more jewelry than any other symbol. It began as a symbol of hatred and hostility and humiliation and dominance. And it became a symbol of forgiveness. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could take a means of execution and turn it into a thing of beauty. See, that's, uh, that's the power, that's the creative power, the miraculous power. When forgiveness comes in, then that 
deterministic cycle of uh, retribution and irreversibility gets interrupted and the creative power of God comes back into the world and that can happen through your life today. So let it happen. God, forgive us our debts as we forgive. Thanks for joining us. At Become New, we want to grow spiritually one day at a time, but it's tough to do that alone. So we're offering a little more support for anyone who would like to work on putting the content into practice. You can sign up to receive a text at the end of each week in this series, asking if you completed the here's how portion for that week. If you want, you can reply to the text and let us know how it went, or if you need prayer in taking those action steps. To sign up for the end of week reminder, just text the word MORE to 855-888-0444 and we'll put you on the list. As always, to receive the emails or video links by text, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. If you're already signed up for the emails but aren't getting them, try checking your spam folder or better yet, you can add us to your contact list. Our email address is connect at becomenew.com. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Text your specific prayer request to 855-888-0444. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray specifically over every person who sends a text in. We'll catch you next time.